Let's pray for her. Father God, we come with a with a humble heart, Lord. We want to to listen to to what you have laid on Shah's heart, Lord. You know that you have speaking a lot, Lord. There's there's so much that that you want to pass on to us, Lord. And as we as we listen, Lord, we want our hearts to be open, Lord. If there's any change that has to happen in us, Lord, we want that to happen. If there's a change in mindset, we want that to happen, Lord. And Lord, we pray for Charles as she, she comes, Lord. She's going to give her all, Lord. And Lord, we pray for your fresh anointing on her. Lord, we know that she spent hours preparing this, Lord, but we want your Holy Spirit to really talk through her, Lord. Lord, she's going to be your vessel, Lord, and bless her. Bless the Lord, even as the first experience of sharing with a baby, Lord. Uh, yeah, just we pray for, yeah, for your presence to be with her, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you. Yeah, the whole new experience preparing with a baby. <laughs> what an amazing morning we've had. Like, we could stop here, couldn't we? The testimonies we've had, that worship we've had, the communion we've had. Um, people really being raw and honest. I think there's something special, isn't it, when we lift up the name of Jesus. It's powerful. It sends out ripples. It's, it's spiritual warfare in itself. There's something powerful that happens when we, we come together and we share heart. We've had some really brave and courageous people come up today and share their story. And I hope that's encouraged you. I'm going to talk about encourage a bit later, but... Um, what an amazing, what an amazing morning we've had, and God's not gonna, He's not stopped yet. So it feels like God's at work here, yeah. And God is doing something in the wider church. We've heard stories of Asbury, you know, the outpouring of worship that lasted in a college for 16 days, and there are ripples of something happening in the UK too. We're hearing sparks of the Holy Spirit's outpouring in churches across this land, not just in America. The Spirit of God is moving in his people. And what we're hearing is that it looks like extended times of worship, beholding the person of Jesus, lingering in the presence of God, radical holiness, and a younger generation leading the way. So what does that mean for proximity? What does that mean for you, for me? We love these stories of what we're hearing, and of course we are encouraged. But is it just a them thing, or is it an us thing? To be honest, I can't really answer that question for you. But what I can say is, I'm inspired by the thought, why not here, why not now, why not us? There is a sense of God is preparing us for something new. We chose when I was in September, October, to study the Holy Spirit in, in learning before we even heard the hints of Asbury. We started to, we've started to hear trickles of miracles. Who read Joyce's miracle of her sister-in-law? But yeah, of cancer going in Jesus' name. These are, these are miracles. They're mighty miracles of God. When was the last time you heard something like that? We've, we've had three in our little church since this time. God is on the move. But perhaps, oh, and we are hearing stories, we've heard stories here of people's lives and hearts being stirred in new ways. I was just brought to tears by what Carla shared. I love Carla to pieces, and she is an incredible woman of God. But I don't know if you remember, um, actually, you might not have heard this, but the, in our wider children, a wider leaders meeting, Carla shared this story of when we first were hearing of the Asbury stuff. She said she felt like God had said to her, 
Or she said, she said to God, sorry, God, I just want to go back to where I was. Has anyone ever felt like that? I want to go back to when, like, I first loved something, you know, when I first fell in love with Jesus, when I first encountered the presence of God. I just want to go back there. And she heard God say to her, Carla, I don't want you to go back. I want you to go forward. What have we just heard from Carla this morning? God is at work in us. Humble hearts, raw hearts, vulnerable hearts. Harlow's not having the best of times, but God is meeting her profoundly, amazingly. And I want to acknowledge that in this room, there are mountains. We've, we've sung about mountains. There are mountains that people are facing. Huge, life-altering mountains. Um, we're going to pray for Benga in, um, when we were praying for Kwok. But just hearing his news this morning, you know, I'm brought to tears because Benga was dancing like a child before God. That is man of God. And we are believing for a miracle in Benga's life. But there's mountains that people are facing. He's not the only one that's facing a mountain today. There's mountains in this room. But perhaps in even facing these mountains and these stories of God moving can encourage us and inspire us. Why not now? Why not here? Why not us why not me why not that flipping mountain god that you can move so there's been lots of talks of revival and renewal and outpouring who knows the difference i just for me are they one or they not but i've been looking at that and then so i found it helpful to differentiate so one of the one of the things one of the ways we can look at it is that renewal and outpouring is something that god does in the church again if you heard carla she said i feel like i've had a renewal it's a stirring. If you heard from like early stories of, um, of Proximity Church, people say, I've come alive in my faith. John Wesley said, I was, my heart was strangely warmed. There's a, there's a renewal and there's an outpouring in the church, God's people, extended worship for 16 days. Whereas revival is when that spirit goes out. And there's thousands that are saved. And there's miracles on the streets. And there's generational upon generational change. If you look at the Wesleyan revival, it was like 150 years before we really started to see significant change. So I want renewal, and I want outpouring, and I also want revival. But it starts with a renewed heart. So just hold that verse. Just hold that thought, sorry, for a moment. Um, Joyce spoke to us last week about this verse in 2 Chronicles, and we're going to look at it again today. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves, pray and seek my face, turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and I'll heal the land. Oh God, that you would heal this land. So what's the context of these verses? Well, Solomon has just built a temple and dedicated to the Lord. And they had a seven-day celebration. We're not going to have seven days in the summer. Um, we'll have one. But they had seven days of celebration. Solomon's comple- <laughs> completion of the temple is an amazing part in the God story. This is a king that chose wisdom over power, wisdom over fame, wisdom over accolade. This is a humble, servant-hearted, perhaps slightly anxious leader. And he was the one to achieve it. Something no other leader could. He builds a permanent place of rest for the presence of God. No more wandering, no more tent, no more cart. God, Israel's true king, has a throne amongst its people. And it's a huge moment for the people of Israel. 
And in some ways, maybe some of those who are celebrating thought, we've made it. With God for us, who can be against us? He is with us. We have the presence of God forever. And that night, Solomon, after he's had this big prayer, hears from God. And, it, and God says, when I, and other translations say, if I shut up the heavens, send locusts and plagues and sickness, then if my people are called by my name. That's the context. When I, when I send these things, then I will do these things. Well, Solomon, I mean, we, we read these things in the Old Testament, don't we? We just pass us by. God is saying that he will send plagues. God is saying that he will hold back the rain and there's a drought. That's huge ramifications. They've just got the temple. They've just got the presence of God. They've just, they're on a seven-day high of celebrating. And God says, when I, if I do these things, a far cry from where they are right now. But those reading the God story, sorry, those who know the God story um, and those hearing this at that time and those reading it years um, after would know that God shuts up the heavens and he sends plagues when hearts aren't turned to him in the Old Testament. So the withholding of rain was one of God's ways to turn people's hearts to him. So when we had the rain, when the people of Israel strayed from God to worship Canaan gods, the Lord withheld the rain for three years. The Canaanite god Baal was called the god of thunder and was thought to control the weather. So what did God do? He withheld the rain to show who their true god was to worship. And the sending of sickness, um, for 40 days the people of Israel were riddled with sickness because they'd crafted their own god from smelting gold. Moses was up on the mountain and they were lost, and they created their own God. More recently to Solomon, David started counting his men before a battle, and God sent sickness amongst the camp. What do these stories tell us? We can have the presence of God, and we can still go off course. We can have these amazing times of encounter, and our hearts can turn away. But God says, in that, even in that, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves, pray and seek my face, turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and I will heal their land. I'll heal their land. And I feel like these verses are speaking so profoundly to us in this moment. Healing the land sounds a lot like revival to me. Humility, turning from, witness, from wickedness, seeking the face of God sounds a lot like renewal and awakening for me. Could it be that God is awakening us and leading us to a revival in this land? So I just want to look at this in four ways, four quick, brief ways that I feel is speaking to us this moment. So number one, we are covered by grace. So I told you, they've, in the story, people have built gods. They've doubted. They've doubted the power of God. But God says, my people call by my name. Even in their wandering, God's covered them. You're called by my name. You're my people. When you wander off and you're succumbing to other gods, God will still say, you are my people and you are called by my name. Isn't that the beauty of grace? We are covered, even in our sin, even in our rejection of God, 
by his character, by his nature. He speaks to the core of who we are and he says, you are my people and I am your God. I'm reminded of that part in Ephesians 1, 11 to 12. It is in Christ that we find out who we really are and what we're really living for. Who we really are and what we're really living for. Long before he, we first heard of Christ and got our hopes up, he had his eye on us. Had designs for us for glorious living. Part of all, the overall purpose God is working out in everything and every one. God has his eye on you even when our eyes and the eyes of our hearts are turned to other things. Know this this morning. Wherever you are, God calls you. You are his. He covers you. He longs for you. He waits for you. He desires for you. Just let that sit with you. You are mine. I call you by my name. Who are we that God is mindful of us? But he is. He's so captivated by us. He's so in love with us that he covers us. We could stop there, couldn't we? Covered by grace. That's enough to undo any of us. Let's worship. (laughs) We are covered by grace. This is the story. But there is more. You're called by my name. Humble yourself. What does it really mean to humble yourself? For me, humility looks like a bended knee. If I could picture it, it looks like a bended knee. It looks like Jesus knowing who he was and where he was going, taking off his outer garments, picking up a towel, taking the knee and washing the dirt off his friend's feet. He turned power, status, leadership on its head. If you look to the news, leaders, celebrities, systems are all being humbled around the globe. The type of leadership, Mark Sayers would say, required in this moment is one of a humble heart, one who seeks wisdom over power, to be a pillar of society rather than a platform within it, to be a non-anxious presence in a time of fear-mongering, a peacemaker in time of division and binary arguments, to be the one that finds a third way. Humility looks like those in this room who are at the end of their rope falling on their knees and saying, God, I can't do this anymore. We need you. I need you. I think I heard that in what Carla was saying. The Beatitude says, when there's less of us, there's more of God. You are blessed when you're at the end of your rope. It looks like acknowledging that this world, its politics, its measures of success, what it holds dear is nothing in comparison to knowing Christ. We count it all as lost. These clothes, this house, Uh, 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 what we think is power, what we think is great, it's nothing in comparison to knowing Jesus. It looks like being lost in awe and wonder of the King and Kings, caught up in God's love, His majesty, His holiness, and being beckoned to come closely despite who we are and what we've done. God requires humble hearts, surrendered lives, those willing to serve one another rather than be served. It requires courage to stand out to live differently, to make decisions that might not make sense unless God is in it. I'm sure you've all had made decisions that you feel like God is asking you to do and people are like, really? Really? It's a humble heart that hears God and follows in obedience. We're covered by grace. We're called to be humble and we can have courage 
from intimacy. Pete Gregg says, the hinge of history is a bended knee. The creaks of God's people on their knees, praying, seeking, longing, beholding, lingering in the presence of God. Pray and seek my face. Don't just pray, seek my face. Have courage from intimacy. Oh, the the reverence, the holiness, the glory, the mystery, the passion, the beauty, the weight of beholding the eyes of our creator. Seek the face of God. Prayer changes everything. We've heard it today precisely because his presence changes everything. His presence changes everything. The more I've studied these verses, the more I've felt stirred and inspired and encouraged. Tyler, who Scott was talking about, said recently that encouragement is literally to give courage. I hope that you're encouraged this morning. I hope that you would have courage from intimacy with Jesus. He's done it all. He's done it all. He has you. He will not leave you or forsake you. When children are scared at night, who do they call to? Parents up and down the country and around the world are called, they're beckoned by their children to check for monsters, for another glass of water, um, to talk about their day and ask their questions of, but why? And then they look in the cupboards and you get the water and you answer the questions and you go back down and you put the telly on and then... There's a little creaking of someone coming back down the stairs. And you take that child up and you check for monsters and you give them water and you give them and you just answer the questions of but why. And then you go back downstairs and you say, if they do that again. And eventually you give in and you relent and you get into that bed and you hold your child. Because it's not that they want to check for water. Sorry, they're not there to check for monsters. It's not really that they're thirsty. It's not really that they're hungry. It's not really that they're questioning why. It's that they want the presence of their parent. It's the power of presence. It's to behold the face of God despite what's going on around us. You're covered by grace. You're called to humility. Take courage from intimacy and consecrate yourself. Turn from your wicked ways. Turn from and turn to. The Asbury arrival was sparked from a place of repentance. Any worship leader or speaker that held a microphone on that stage was instructed to pass through a consecration room before they stepped on the platform. People spent half an hour, one hour, two hours, five hours before they went on to to hold the microphone. What does consecration mean? It's a word that we read in the Bible, but we might not really know. It's the devotion or setting apart of anything or anyone to the worship and service of God. It's to have an undivided heart, a dedicated life, a devoted mind. There's no room for anything other than God. It's a riding of the things that, it's a ridding of the things that entangle and enslave us. Often they are subtle things, like escapism tactics we use. But sometimes they're things we just know aren't good for us and the people around us. To see a move of God requires clean hands and a pure heart. It's time for consecration. To turn from is a phrase in the Bible that we might replace with repent. To literally turn on the spot. 
But this is something, and this is something that God takes really, really seriously. There is no room for sin in God's presence. Joyce and I have chatted about this um, in terms of talking about consecration recently. And we're the kind of people who are like, oh, should we give it a go? <laughs> so we're walking around and we started to confess our sin to each other. <laughs> she was worried what I was going to say then. Was it nice? No. Was it uncomfortable? Yes. Was it good? I think so. Because now Joyce is going to ask me, so how are you doing with Vinted? <laughs> Shall. Consecrate yourself. It's more important. It's more important that I've got a clean, hand, clean hands and a pure heart than it is what Joyce thinks of me. And I know she loves me. Did that, take a deeper, did that take us deeper in love for one another? Yes. Did it take us further into the presence of God? Yes. As I said, confession isn't a popular activity in the church, but there is something to be said about a people who are humble enough to admit when they've got it wrong and courageous enough to do that among friends who that can keep them accountable and championing them on to stay the course and keep running the race that's out before us. As I said, Asbury was marked by conspiration. Many young adults threw their phones on the stage, admitting it was a vice distracting them from God. There were tears shared from the front as people confessed addictions to pornography and, and other things, hidden sins. The confession was contagious and more and more people were brought to a place of repentance and God moved powerfully because it was a holy moment. There's no room for sin in the presence of God. There was reconciliation as peers turned to one another, confessing wrong that they had done to one another. Hidden grudges, unforgiveness, pride that that was dispelled by grace, love and a sense of holiness. This is holiness that hurts the eyes. You might not have heard this poem by Pete Gregg, but for those of us long in the tooth for 24-7, these things will stir something new, and I hope it stirs something new if you have never heard it before. The vision is holiness that hurts the eyes. It makes children laugh and adults cry. It gave up the game of minimum integrity long ago to reach for the stars. It scorns the good and strains for the best. It is dangerously pure. Dangerously pure. Holiness is dangerous. Do you want to see God do amazing things? Then let's take this seriously. Holiness, consecration seriously. Let's get down on our knees before God and one another. There's no room for anything else here. You will um, be reminded of that verse in Joshua. Consecrate yourselves for tomorrow the Lord will do amazing things among you. I really believe that God is going to do amazing things amongst us. You are covered by grace. You are called to humility. Take courage from intimacy and consecrate yourself. In, in Isaiah, it says, awake, O sleeper. Awake, O sleeper. Awake, O sleeper, shall. Revival comes from renewal. And my feeling is, and it's just that, I can only prophesy in part that God is at work in us, and he is moving, like he is at work in the church around the world. And here could be a place of revival a spotlight of outpouring. Why not here? Why not now? 
Why not us? We are called to be a church on our knees, humbled, loved, surrendered, devoted, beholding, lingering in the presence of God. A holy people set apart to worship with our whole life. Consecrated because the Lord is about to do something amazing among us. And this isn't an invitation to keep doing the things that we've been doing. I think it's a time for greater devotion, extended times of worship and prayer, lingering, beholding God. It's going to cost you. It's going to cost you your time, your attention, your affection, your comfort, your security. It's time for radical, courageous steps into the presence of God. And I just want to invite John and Joyce here who have felt these stirrings and had a personal response to that. So John and Joyce. In the last few months, a couple of months, I felt a stirring in my heart for something where I really felt God was, was um, yeah, encouraging me to say yes to something. And this was to open our house um, on a Sunday, after the, the Sunday after adult learning, uh, just for prayer uh, in the morning, for people that want to come along, uh, and for us just to pray to God, to seek his face, to pray for one another. There's you know, no agenda, you know, worship, anything. But I really was feeling this, and as, I was being, as I've been meditating on this, being humble, I really felt that you know, it was the time for me to say, yes, okay, God, we are doing it, not, not just a thought. I had talked about it with Eddie, he was happy, but we hadn't made the, the step, and we were just waiting, waiting, and you know, thinking about these things and what God is doing, it's time, like we really feel it's time to say yes. So we are saying yes to God to open our house um, you know, once a month, after adult learning, and everybody is welcome, even for half an hour, you know, for anything. But we just want to be there. You know, our family will be there to, yeah, we just want to worship God and be in God's presence. Okay. Thanks, Joyce. Um, I don't know about you, but uh, I listen to Lectio most days. <laughs> um, Carla Harding, uh, a couple of weeks ago, talked a lot about awakening. And one particular day, uh, I was really challenged by something that uh, she brought. And um, it very much ties in with what um, Charles has already said. Psalm 24 says, um, Who shall ascend the hill of the Lord? And who shall stand in his holy place? He who or she who has clean hands and a pure heart who does not lift up his soul to what is false and does not swear deceitfully. He or she will receive blessing from the Lord and righteousness from the God of his salvation. Such is the generation of those who seek him and who seek the face of the God of Jacob. And then there was a bit of narrative. Um, 74 years ago, I can remember that because that's my age, um, in the Outer Hebrides off the Scottish coast, an awakening began that impacted many. During a prayer meeting, a young man stood and read Psalm 24. As he shut his Bible, he said, it seems to me just so much sentimental humbug to be praying as we are praying, to be waiting as we are waiting here, if we ourselves are not rightly related to God. Then, leading by example, he began repenting of his sin before falling to the ground, overwhelmed by the Spirit. This vulnerable and humble act of repentance helped spark a move of God 
in which thousands gave their lives to Christ. Reflecting on the repentance that began it all, the Reverend Dr. Andrew Taylor writes, transformation and salvation in the nation always begins with personal consecration. Doesn't it? (laughs) Um, There is more to say. Briefly about Asbury, I think it's about the generation that's upcoming. I totally agree with Carla in what she said. I think I need to be an encourager of the upcoming generation um, of young people, like three I see in front of me. Um, I need to be a Joshua or Caleb and say, surely we can take the land and be the encourager of this generation that's, that's rising up. So watch out. Um, with this in mind getting to the other point that you wanted me to make um, I I just feel there needs to be a little bit of Bible study Um, we've got some good people in our community who can teach Bible simple Bible truths answer questions to people who want to know the answers if we know them Um, if you're interested in being a part of teaching some Bible to people who want to um, receive some teaching, one person comes to mind. Uh, she's not here today, but Danielle Wilson. I had a long conversation with Danielle. Rob's been doing some stuff on Moses in our house church because we've got a young boy there who wants to find out more, or he's going to find out more anyway. Um, and it's kind of piqued Danielle's interest as well. So she's asking questions, and I just happen to be the one sitting next to her. And I think this is great. You know, it's, it's stirring me. It's challenging me. And here's someone who really wants to know a bit more about the Bible. And I need to get back there. I need to repent. You know, I need to get back to the Bible a bit more. Who nodded then at the back? Oh, it was my wife. <laughs> John Peters. How old are you? Am I young and old? I'll pour out my spirit. A family that are going to open their homes to worship God. A man that's retired and really can just enjoy his life is choosing (laughs) to not do that. And I know he's gone there because he said, I'm not sure I want to do this. But he's just said it. And he's not just said it. He's just repented before you and said, "I, I need this. I need this. We need this. This is what's going what, to, this is what we're turning from and turning to, to get to, we, guys, don't we want to see healing in our land? Don't you want to see young people just encountering the presence of God and coming alive in worship? What, what um, Emily just shared, what was the best bit? Worshipping God. Did you hear her singing on that microphone? That's enough. We're done. Come on, God. These are signs, guys. On my spirit, I'll pour out my spirit on young and old. Shall we stand? Christy has got the baby. Somebody take the baby. <laughs> I um. I just, if you can, can you get on your knees? If you can. If you are able. I know some people have got shorts on. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves, pray and seek my face,
turn from their wicked ways. Then I will hear from heaven and I will heal their land. Jesus, we thank you that we're covered by grace. Thank you that we are yours and you are ours. We want to humble ourselves, God. There are mountains that we're facing as a community. There's mountains in this world. There's things that are rocking us. But you are king. You are Lord. You are sovereign. And so we take a knee in surrender before you. We want to say, God, we are the people that turned away. We do things, we escape this world and choose things that we know aren't good for us. God, we repent when we've judged even people in this room. We repent when we've hurt people. We repent when we've hurt you, God. And we say, Jesus, would you, would you pour out your spirit on us? Would we be a consecrated people? Let this be a holy moment now, God. We want to seek your face. It's not by my power, not by my, not by my might, but by my spirit. Thank you, Spirit of God, that you are here. Renew us, God. Pour out your spirit on us. We long for you. We behold you now. Amen. Mm.